I would like you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't like using the app on your phone, if you grab the Bible that's in that pew rack right in front of you and turn to page 984, uh, that is where you should find Colossians chapter 3. And, and while you're doing that, if you are a guest with us today, uh, we want you to know right from the start that we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Inerrant in the original manuscripts, and, and that God has sovereignly preserved the integrity of his word through the generation, so that through the reading of this book and the illumination of his spirit, we can know God, and we can love God, and we can follow him, and we can represent him, and, and we believe so much in the sufficiency of scripture that we don't think that what I have to say today matters at all, unless it agrees with what the Bible says, with what God has said in his word. We want to collectively be a church that believes, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what the Bible says, which is why we want you to see God's word for yourself today from Colossians chapter 3. I might mess this up, always a possibility, but God's word always gets it right. And as Phil mentioned earlier, we are jumping back in to uh, the book of Colossians and making progress through the book. Uh, this morning, after taking a break for Christmas, we were just looking at that one paragraph and who Jesus is uh, from Colossians chapter 1. And then we had New Year's. And last week, we got to hear from a missionary, Andy Giesman. And if you missed that, uh, feel free to, to ask us for that uh, recording because, man, I'm so thankful for him and his ministry and what he's doing um, to reach college students with the gospel and to encourage believers along the way. And so, um, so thankful for him and trust that was an encouragement to you. Uh, and, and so it's been almost two months since we've been making progress through the book of Colossians. And so let me remind you where we are and, and what we're doing here. So here we go. We're going through Paul's letter to the church that he, the, to the church that was in Colossae for this purpose, that we would see the supremacy and the centrality of Christ in everything. Supremacy and centrality of Christ in everything. Because unless and until Jesus is at the center, nothing else will make sense. Uh, until he is who we value the most, we won't value anything else correctly. Our only hope in this life is having more of Jesus. We, we need to be so filled with him, there wouldn't be room for anything else. Because in our brokenness, the Bible doesn't point us to a system, and it doesn't point us to a program. It points us to a person. And his name is Jesus. And when you really find him, when you really find Jesus, there is no need to search anywhere else. Because he is the treasure who contains all of the treasure. And if you are in Christ... That means your identity has been completely transformed. Paul says we're no longer captives to our sin-sick nature encapsulated by our breaking down bodies. Right? We are no longer spiritually dead, separated from God, because in Christ we are made alive. We are forgiven and we are victorious. And embracing your identity as forgiven won't cause you to go do whatever you want 
and, and, and treat God's grace as cheap. No, embracing this new identity frees you to run further into Jesus because the guilt and shame that so often holds us back is gone. Our sin is too heavy for us, but it is not too heavy for the cross. So we take it there and we leave it there. And then we run hard after Jesus. And, and the reason that Paul was going through to great lengths, really, to emphasize these realities with this church of young believers in Colossae is because he saw that as the best defense against the false teachers who were trying to dilute the gospel by adding other stuff to it. Right? They're trying to lead them astray with all these other ideas. And the best defense is to be so filled with Jesus that there isn't room for anything else. And, and so we talked about how at the heart of most false teaching, including what was happening in Colossae, is this lie. Jesus is insufficient. That, that's, that's the false teaching. You, hear, you will hear this all the time in so many different ways. Jesus is insufficient. And his insufficiency can be made up for if you just add fill in the blank, right? And, and most false teaching doesn't outright deny Jesus' existence, but they make him share the stage with something else. And we ended chapter 2 by seeing that Christianity is not Jesus plus legalism or, or, or Jesus plus asceticism making a religion out of self-denial, or, or Jesus plus mysticism, because Christianity is not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The promise of Christianity is not that you'll have all this other stuff, right? It's not necessarily that you'll be healthy or wealthy. The promise of Christianity is not that you'll have a family that never argues, although that would be great, right? The promise of Christianity is that you get Jesus and that he's enough, right? We just sang that song, he's enough no matter what else comes or goes. He is sufficient, which is why he needs to be central, so, so after calling the Colossians away from the false teaching that was threatening them, Paul, that's the end of chapter 2, Paul is now going to call the church to live and to think based on where Christ is. Because that's where our ultimate identity is. It's in Christ. And so that's where he begins the next part of his letter. We know it as Colossians chapter 3. We read this together. Let me read these first four verses of Colossians 3 for you again. If then you have been raised with Christ, and he's making a big point of with Christ, with Christ changes everything, raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Why? Because that's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, there's so much here. This is going to be so much fun. Are you guys ready? Oh, oh man, this is exciting. Be before we walk through this great passage, uh, I, I want to say this. Being a follower of Jesus is amazing, and it is even better than we think. 
No matter how great you think it is, it's even better than that. And, and the New Testament is often calling us to embrace realities that are nearly beyond our comprehension. I just wanted to set that out there. So if you ever read something from the Bible like, wow, that, that sounds amazing, but I'm not sure if I can believe that. Like, yes, that's what the Bible's calling you to do, to sort of stretch what, what you actually think, embracing realities that are beyond almost your comprehension. And, and I think we see some of those in this passage, right? Your life is hidden with Christ in God, right? This is amazing. We're going to talk, talk about that. You can seek heavenly things even while you are surrounded by earthly realities. And, and, and I don't begin to presume that the full implications of this passage or others like it will be grasped over the course of a 35-minute message uh, or even a, a week or a month or a year, which is why I love being a pastor, because I get to be in it for the long haul with you, and, and we get to grow in our understanding and application of these passages together. And so if while we are walking through these verses, the full implications of this passage just seem way beyond where you find yourself today in your situation, I don't want you to be discouraged today. I am praying that wherever you find yourself right now, that you will have a little more of a heavenly mentality this week than you had last week. That's, that's what I'm praying for, more of a heavenly mentality this coming week than you had last week as a result of the truth of God's word. Because how we think determines how we live. God's word is calling us to, God's word calling us to this heavenly mentality is not calling us to live in some fantasy world that's totally divorced from reality. No, this is meant to be tremendously practical. And that will become more and more evident as we walk through chapter 3 in the coming weeks. But I, I want to put that out in the beginning. Uh, we, we are not talking about being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Have you heard that phrase? Someone being so heavenly minded that they're no, no earthly good. Uh, be, because that's not even a thing. That, that, that's not actually a thing. Um, because as Scott Hubbard said, uh, the most heavenly minded man of all, Jesus labored, sweated, healed, touched, and bled for this world in need. I, I would suggest if you think someone is so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good, then that person probably isn't heavenly minded in the way that the Bible calls us to be. In the way that the Bible calls us to be. Uh, because, because no one was more heavenly minded than Jesus, and no one did more or earthly good than Jesus did. So this is tremendously practical for us, and if, and if I could put a question in your mind as we walk through this passage, this is, this is what it would be. Are you living here and now in light of there and then? Ha, has the way you've lived this week been dictated and influenced by what is true in heaven now and what will be true in eternity? Are you living here and now, not as if it is, you are already there, and if it is already then, not, no, but in light of what is true there and what will be true then. If, if we are going to seek the things that are above, if we are going to set our minds on things that are above, then, then there are three truths we must believe from this passage, and we're going to walk through those together. Look back at verses 1 and 2 
for the first one. Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Uh, uh, first thing that we need to see about a heavenly mentality is a heavenly mentality believes that Jesus is reigning. Jesus is reigning. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is in the place of authority and worship. Uh, and just to be upfront, if God is not real and Jesus is not sovereignly reigning over his creation, Nothing else I say this morning or any Sunday matters at all. If God is not real and Jesus is not sovereignly reigning, then this would all just be religious make-believe. It would not matter. They would just be happy thoughts completely divorced from any practical reality. But if Jesus, who was crucified by Roman soldiers on a real day in history, rose from the dead ascended into heaven and is seated, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. If he is the one who ultimately reigns, no matter who presently sits on earthly thrones or in positions of power, if all things were created by him, through him, and for him, and in everything he must have the preeminence, as we saw in Colossians 1, then that has tremendous implications for how we think and then for how we live. We seek things that are above because that's where Jesus is. We set our minds on things above because earthly things have to come in submission to heavenly authority. And I think it is safe to say that we live in a very distracted culture. Would you agree with that? We're very easily distracted. And there are lots of competition for your attention, and often something on a screen is winning that competition. Right? You have this thing in your pocket that is constantly saying, look at this, right? click on this, and then click on this, and then click on this, and then click on this, right? and, and, and buy this, and get mad at this, and compare yourself to this. And, and we're like, I want to do that more. Right? I want to click more, and I want to scroll more, and I'd rather do this than go to sleep at night. Right? And we're just so distracted. And why is it already 1 a.m.? I just started, right? And, and, we are constantly, and, and we are constantly told what we should be anxious about or what we should be outraged about or what we should be discontent without. And most of it is temporary, but it is presented to us like it is the most significant thing ever, right? It, it's, it's no wonder we are so distracted. Uh, you, you, you know how when, you take, uh, when you're taking a picture uh, you, you can mess with the perspective, uh, having something really close to the camera uh, to make it look so much bigger than what's in the background, right? And so you can make uh, your three-year-old look like he's holding up the Golden Gate Bridge or something, right? And you do that, or make, or like make your son look like he's eating his mom or something, right? You can just mess with the perspective to throw things off. I would observe that is the way information and news, and entertainment, and everything is being presented to us. Everything is right in front of the camera, and it looks huge. 
It looks huge. Everything is the biggest thing ever, and it's an existential crisis, and you won't believe what just happened, and we are part of a giant experiment to see what happens to a culture when everything is huge and outrageous and tantalizing. And this is part of why young people, I think, especially are, are so overwhelmed and anxious because everything's so big and it is so important and it demands immediate attention or action. And, and, and it's hard to know how to process all of that. And everything is fighting for the space at the forefront of your mind. Look at this. Think about this. What about this? And you know who's often in the background of our mind? God is. And because the perspective on the lens of our minds is so messed up, how does God appear oftentimes? He looks really small, doesn't he? He seems so small. And everything else looks huge. And it doesn't seem like he's doing much about all these really big things. And, and, and maybe it's because he's not as powerful as my Sunday school said that he is. Sunday school teacher said he was, or, or maybe it's because he doesn't care, and, and you don't, maybe you don't know what to believe anymore because life is just so disorienting, and God's just like way back, and you don't even understand what he's doing, and, and Paul is telling us to move the lens of our minds up, right, and to realize that there is someone who is above all of this mess, and his name is Jesus in church. He is still in charge. He's still in charge, and he is reigning, and he is far more significant and far more valuable than all the other earthly things that have distracted you all week long. And this is why we seek to make much of Jesus every single Sunday when we gather here as, a, as believers, because all week long, right, the world tells you, make much of this. And make much of this, and look at how significant this is, and click on this, then this, then this, then this, and where did an hour go? And make much of yourself. Zoom in really close. Set your mind on earthly things, and, and how you don't have enough of them yet. And, and if you're wondering, by the way, what fits into the category of an earthly thing that we are not supposed to set our minds on, I would say this. It's anything that denies the reality of Jesus' authority and demand for worship. Anything that denies the reality of Jesus' authority and demand for worship. Anything that moves Jesus into the background and anything else into the foreground. Anything that tries to take Jesus' place on that authoritative throne. Uh, we've seen many examples of this in just going through Colossians together. Human traditions, man-made philosophies, asceticism, mysticism, human wisdom. You can put tons of things in this category. Love is love. I just want you to be happy. Follow your heart. Trust your gut. Identity being found in what you do for a living. Success being defined by how much money you make. You deserve better. You deserve to do something for yourself. The list is never-ending. These are all earthly things earthly things, and you hear these messages all week long, and maybe you tell some of them to yourself. And then we come together on a Sunday morning for just a few minutes, and we sing, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. 
It's in you. Forever we will say, you're the Lord our God. What are we doing as we come together and we sing? We are seeking to alter the perspective on the lens of our minds. Right? We, we, we are trying to put Jesus in his rightful, most significant place. And once a week is not enough to do that. It's not often enough. It's not enough. And this is why we are encouraging you to start every day by acknowledging God's rightful position. What if you just started every day saying, God, you are in charge. I don't want to do anything else before I acknowledge that. I don't want my feet to hit the floor from my bed before I say, God, you are in charge. You, what, you are what matters. What you say matters more than what the world says. What you want matters more than what I want. What you want is better than I want, right? I need to be led by your spirit today. I pray that you would be the greatest reality in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. Because no matter how messy things get here, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still on the throne. He is still in charge. He is still worthy of worship. He is so much bigger and greater than you think. And if you have that picture in your mind, if you have the reigning Christ at the forefront of your mind, I want you to see what Paul adds to that picture in verse 3, because I think it's amazing. Why should we set our minds on things that are above? Verse 3, for, so this is why, you should set them on things that are above, not on earthly things. For, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So a heavenly mentality believes that Jesus is reigning, and that Jesus is our refuge. So if you can see Jesus reigning above it all today, then this truth will be so much more meaningful to you. Follower of Jesus, verse 3, says, that is where you are. That picture of Jesus reigning over it all, that is where you are. Our lives are hidden where? With Christ in God. <laughs> right, if we could just begin to embrace this reality, uh, what, what transforms our lives is not knowing that God is always watching you. Right? Some, we, we use that to guilt people into submission, right? That, that's, but that's just behavior modification. God's always watching, right? The boss, that's like the boss walks in so you make it look like you're working hard while the boss is in the room, right? God's in the room, so I better do what's right. That's behavior modification. What transforms our lives is that we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. So we don't just have a God who reigns over us. We have a God who is himself a refuge for us. This is the gospel that we celebrate every day. We were once in danger. We were in danger because of our sin and rebellion, which had separated us from the holy God of the universe, who is the only one who can provide you with eternal safety. And we didn't deserve protection. We deserved punishment because we had rejected the authority of the one who has ultimate authority. God is so big, but we often live like he is so small. But rather leaving us in that hopeless, helpless, vulnerable position, Jesus, God himself, came on a rescue mission from heaven. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I should have lived. 
And then Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to die. Jesus took the just punishment for the sins we had committed against him on himself at the cross. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin and the grave. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God. And for everyone who comes to the end of themselves and instead places their faith in the perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection of Christ and Christ alone, all your sins can be forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus credited to your formerly guilty account. You become part of the eternal family of God. You are united with Christ. His death is your death. His life is your life. You are hidden with him in God. No matter what happens on this earth, no matter what trouble or persecution or danger comes our way, hear this, The life of your soul is as secure as Christ is. So do you ever, in in the midst of your fears and doubts, do you ever doubt Jesus' security? I don't think we usually do, right? We usually doubt our own. We're worried about us, but we don't really doubt Jesus' security. Because church, if Jesus is safe, that means you are safe. Because your life is hidden in him. You see that? If Jesus is, you are as secure as Christ is if you are with him, right? Because we are hidden in him. If he is safe, you are safe. And and notice what took place to make that a reality according to the beginning of verse 3. Paul says, you have died, past tense. You've died to living for yourself. to to living for the things of this world, to depending on your resume, because we didn't just need a small adjustment or a slight addition. We needed a whole new life, right? That's what Jesus says. You must be born again. And so I just want you to embrace this good news today. If you are a follower of Jesus, your most significant death has already happened. Your most significant death, follower of Jesus, has already happened. And there's so much security and comfort to be found in embracing this reality. Your most significant death occurred the moment you placed your faith in Jesus. This is why Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, This is why threats and persecution couldn't stop the Apostle Paul because he said to live is Christ and to die is, it's gain. It's gain. You can't threaten me with heaven is what he's saying. My most significant death has already happened. I have nothing to fear. My life is hidden with Christ. But when you don't see Jesus as reigning, and you don't see him as your refuge, when you feel distant from him instead of united with him, when your mind is distracted by all of these earthly things, you have so much to fear. And these earthly messages keep telling you, you have even more to fear than you know about, right? Because there's so many things that can be taken away from us, and there's so many things that can happen to us. And when your ultimate security is not found in Christ, all other forms of security are very fragile because they are all temporary. It's no wonder that everyone's scared. It's no wonder that everyone's anxious. It's no wonder that so many people are depressed. Do you see how practical this is? This is not some fantasy land. This is everyday life. 
And this is why we say all the time that Jesus is not someone that you just add to your life. (laughs) Because when you come to Jesus, you give your old life up. Say, I don't want that anymore. Everything I once thought was gain, I counted as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And so Paul says it pretty dramatically in verse 3. If, if, if you haven't read the Bible before, you might be like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. You have died, is what he says. You've died to your former way of living and your former way of thinking. So if you are here and you are looking to an add-on, to an add-on to the life that you have already built and you enjoy, right? If, if you are looking for something to add to your resume, I just want you to know you aren't looking for Jesus. And, and to be upfront, he would probably drive you crazy if that's what you're looking for <laughs> because, <laughs> because he doesn't want to supplement what you're already doing. I just want you to know that ahead of time. He wants to take over. He wants to reign in your heart as he is reigning in heaven. You might not like that if you're not ready to give up your stuff and you're not ready to give up what you've done. But if you are here today and you are tired and you are worn out and you feel so insecure and if you feel like you can never be good enough and if all the promises of this world have let you down over and over again and you just feel like giving up today, then I would love for you to meet Jesus. Oh man, I would love for you to meet him. He's amazing. He changes everything now and forever. And no matter what happens, I can promise you this. He's enough. He's enough. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. My hope is only Jesus. Why? For my life is wholly bound to his. We sang that today. I hope you meant it. And there's no safer place to be than to have your life wholly bound to his hidden with Christ in God. When this race is complete, still my lips will repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. A heavenly mentality believes that Jesus is reigning, believes that Jesus is our refuge, and one more in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you don't add him to your life, he is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then then you also will appear with him in glory. A heavenly mentality believes that Jesus is reigning, that Jesus is our refuge, and that Jesus is returning. Amen, church? uh, Make no mistake, Jesus is reigning now. He is the greatest reality. He is in control. I can't take one breath without Jesus putting it in my lungs. He's the creator of it all, who also sustains it all. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's here. But we can't physically see him yet. And we really want to, don't we? Like, we just feel like it'd be so much easier if we could see him, right? And we can't see him. And the world really can't see him. Not just physically, but also spiritually. Their spiritual eyes are blind to the reality of Jesus. They really can't see him. And they do everything possible to deny or to diminish his position and authority. And we fall prey to that more often than we would like to admit. We take him off the throne and put other things there. We value other things over him. We move him to the background instead of keeping him in the foreground. But the truth of God's word tells us that Jesus will not be hidden from the world's minds and from their sight forever. 
Because one day, as sure as I am standing on this platform, Jesus is going to appear. Do you believe that? Jesus is going to appear. And if you are hidden in Christ, you are going to appear with him in glory. And if this earthly life has beaten you down, if, if you walked in here discouraged and frustrated, it may, maybe you thought things would be different by now. You're like, I, I, I thought it would work out better than it's working out for me. I, I, I want this truth to reassure your heart and your mind today. Your life is not on full display yet. The full reality of being in Christ has yet to appear because Jesus has yet to appear. And, and so, yes, we are to reflect his glory now through the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Yes, we are Christ's ambassadors now. We are representing who he is, his love, his grace, everything about him to this lost and dying world. But if you're wondering, is this as good as it gets, right? And if this is all there is, the answer is no. Nope, this isn't it. We, we are not our, we are not our final version yet. Amen? Oh, that's such good news, right? It's like when, when people write on, on, on the yearbooks at school to like a middle schooler, never change, right? That's, the, wow, who would wish that upon a person, right? Especially in middle school. Like, what are you doing to me, right? I, I hope I'm not the same that I was in middle school, and you hope so too. And so, right, like, whew, and so, no, no, we're not our final version yet. Like, never change is not something we say to each other. Like, please change, right? Please change. Please become more like Jesus. More of him, less of you. It would be great, right? This is not it. We're not our final version. And I found what John Piper said about this passage so encouraging. I'll have this on the screen. Follower of Jesus, hear this. Your most terrible experience of death is behind you. And your most glorious experience of life awaits you. Isn't that good news? Your most terrible experience of death is already behind you. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God, but it won't be hiding forever because your most glorious experience of life awaits you. When Jesus appears, we will appear with him in glory. When the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of life appears, when Christ who is your life appears, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. But you don't have to wait until then to start valuing the eternal over the temporary. You don't have to wait until then to seek the things that are above and to set your mind on things that are above. I want you to know you can start to do that today. You can bring Jesus to the forefront of your mind's eye. You can see the one who is reigning, to see the one who is our refuge, and see the one who is returning. So this is my question. Are you living here and now in light, in light of what is true there and what will be true then? We, we will never have a heavenly mentality until Jesus is our greatest reality. Until we stop treating him like just someone we talk about on Sundays or just someone that we kind of know is in the background. We hope he makes things better for us and works some things out. And then when a crisis happens, we pray to him and wonder what he's doing. No, no, no. No, we want Jesus to be the greatest reality in our lives. That's when we will start to set our mind on things above and not on the things that are on this earth.
And if I could be up front, when I was younger and, and I heard, set your minds on things that are above, I thought it was telling me just to think about heaven. And maybe that's what, you, what comes to your mind when you think about this passage, right? And to, and to look forward to heaven. And, and to be completely honest, I thought that was much easier for older people to do because they had less to look forward to in life, right? They were already past most of it, right? And, and so I, 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 thought, I thought, well, this is much easier for someone that's older than someone that's 20. I have so much more to live. But I've since realized that setting our minds on things above is not wishing for then and there as much as it is living here and now of what, in light of what is true there. Jesus is reigning on the throne. Jesus is our security and living in light of what will be true then. Jesus, our life will appear and we will be with him forever. This is tremendously practical and, and we're going to continue to see more implications in the weeks ahead as we go through Colossians 3. But I hope that you will make Jesus the greatest reality in your life and that you will be more heavenly minded this week as a result of the truth of God's word than you were last week. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for these times together when, when we can give our minds a break from all the garbage that we have to filter the rest of the week. And all the information that's constantly coming at us and all the things that are constantly distracting us and demanding our attention. And thank you for this time where we can reorient our minds around the truth of your word and see your supremacy. See you as the one who is reigning. See you as the one who is our refuge. And see you as the one who is returning. So I pray that Jesus would be a greater and greater reality in our lives. I pray that as we leave here, that we would not push you right back to the background, but you would be at the foreground that we filter everything else through. Would you change the way that we think and change the way that we live? May May people see that we are united with Christ and we are different. We are not the same. Oh, thank you for the hope that we have because of Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen.